Hello and welcome to the St Mungo's podcast. Um, today we are in beautiful Edinburgh. We are at St Andrew's house um, and you might hear some atmospheric creaky doors and windows in the background. Um, but we're here because our next guest spends a good portion of his time here advising the Chief Medical Officer of Scotland and all things secondary care. But first and foremost, he is a consultant in emergency medicine at the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh. Uh, so Dave Caesar, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Uh, pleasure. Good to be here. So, Dave, the main thing we were going to talk about today was leadership. I know that's one of your main interests, and I know that you recently became a senior fellow in a leadership faculty. Um, so I thought we would just get straight into it. So what, in your eyes, um, makes a good leader? Um, I think the main thing to say is that I don't think there is such a thing. Um, certainly, as you um, progress through careers and uh, through your own maturation as an individual, um, the things that really stand out in people that are um, really conducting themselves well in leadership roles, I would say, are um, are some some very sort of generic traits, and uh, they are largely about. Uh, understanding your imperfections as much as anything else. So, so that so those qualities of a perfect leader are that we're all imperfect. We're all human. I think understanding that is probably one of the key attributes of uh, great leaders. Uh, I think the starting point for any uh, any of the more impressive individuals that I've seen and watched and tried to learn from has been humility. So, humility and curiosity. So are you prepared to um, respect others and other people's views? Uh, do you really want to learn uh, even when uh, that can be very uncomfortable? Um, and are you, are you motivated by the right things? Um, can you endure what is quite a tortuous kind of process sometimes of self-realization and understanding your own imperfections and how you can um, manage those, uh, mitigate some of them, develop yourself uh, and create a whole set of, um, I suppose, mechanisms by which you can get the best out of yourself and most importantly, get the best out of other people. So, uh, so, I think all of these things come into play and uh, one of the most important things that I realized um, as I have kind of taken on different tasks and different roles has been um, that um, being really curious, being motivated by the right things, understanding what gives you strength and resilience emotionally and physically and mentally, um, being humble, uh, being prepared to change and to learn, uh, and uh, being able to engage others are, are really key attributes. And when did you develop an interest in it? Was it because you noticed it was lacking in areas of your work? Or, or what, what, what kind of generated your kind of curiosity to explore it more? So two, two different polar extremes. One was that I, I think many of us that have come through medical training um, and probably 
you know, the other professions are equally um, experienced in this, have seen people um, really struggle in their work, have seen the effect of um, burnout, have seen the effect of uh, a lack of leadership and the impact that that can have. That was very much part of my upbringing. Um, and the flip side of that is that I've also seen when through uh, just kind of chance and how things tend to happen and different people coming into different roles, um, I've seen when single people uh, in a certain position or, or even just in the way that other people conduct their business, I've seen the incredibly positive effect that they have also had on individuals and that that those two things in combination were the things that made me think um holy moly you know this is a thing this is this is meaningful this changes how people feel about their work feel about their lives both in a negative way and in a positive way and why why are we not talking more about this why do we not understand this more uh, because this is this is where it's at this is what makes me um, leave work better or worse and it and ultimately it's what makes the patient experience better or worse and there is a you know now a very convincing evidence base around um, the fact that um, good clinical engagement good leadership practice good um, culture actually has an, an incredibly powerful effect on patient outcomes um, and that's entirely down to how staff feel and engage with their work. So we as, we as sort of quasi-scientists spend a lot of, the, lot of the time arguing the toss and talking about latest in, uh, interventions in, in a scientific sense. And yet uh, we spend very little time talking about what we as individual humans can do to make patient outcomes better in the way that we act. And some of those effects are, are far more profound than, you know, the latest drug or the latest um, toy or robot or device, um, you know, when you, when you look at the evidence base. Um, it's, it's hard. Let's, let's not make no bones about it. But, um, but I, I've seen it firsthand. I felt it firsthand. And uh, that was what really uh, got me interested in understanding my own role in that a bit better and how I could be as as good in that space as possible and you know none of us have the finished article but um, but that desire to learn is a, is is that is the thing that it provoked in me so I don't remember getting any teaching on leadership through my training so when is the appropriate time what would you if you were in charge what when would you start to really focus on leadership training for healthcare professionals that's a great question. So, I think in the, I think in the same way as we learn about diseases, um, you have to be aware of um, some of the things that contribute to um, patient outcomes, and the way that we set our system up and the way that we behave within our system is one of those um, key factors. So, so that's a long-winded way of saying. Uh, I think that we should learn about some of the theory and the evidence base as we are learning about 
other diseases and other other things that we learn at medical school so in the same way that we learn a bit about statistics and we learn a bit about diabetes and and we learn a bit about uh, you know heart failure we should learn a bit about the fact that the way that we behave in our workplace will ultimately affect how patients uh, experience care as well uh, but as with most things certainly my experience was the theory is one thing the practice is another and one of the things that we that we struggle with is is how do we um, how do we practice this and how do we uh, grow our experience of uh, of leadership behaviors and and uh, how do we recognize uh, when people are doing that well and when people aren't doing that so well and are we comfortable about calling some of that out and I think we've got a long way to go in our system generally uh, around that. So if I came to you and I said, Dr. Caesar, I, I'm not really sure if I've got you know, the, the appropriate skills to be a leader, I would like to be better. What would you advise me at this stage in my career? What, what, what things should I think about? What, what should I self-reflect on? And what could I do to be better? So... Um the first step is uh, is the step that you would have already taken, which is you want to know more. So you want to learn and you want to develop. So that that is the key the key first step. So if you if you as an individual want to want to start to um, learn more and maybe develop yourself, I think you need to uh, make that first step. You need to be committed to that in the same way that you'd want to be uh, a neurosurgeon or a GP or a, or anything else um, there's there's a certain course you have to to run um, there is in, an increasing amount of um, if you like infrastructure that can support that um, so uh, there are lots of resources out there and we're hoping to create a single point of contact a single repository for that in Scotland uh, under a single banner that will enable people to self-assess against certain metrics. Uh, we'll be able to lead them uh, onto uh, some development opportunities if they fulfill certain criteria. We'll enable them to have uh, some career conversations with people that might be able to signpost them to different opportunities. Um, and there are lots out there, almost, almost too many, <laughs> um, in terms of uh, learning opportunities. But... But the thing that we don't support well just yet and that we're aiming to try and fix is that ability for people to um, talk about their own personal experience, talk about how they might do things a bit differently, have peer support, have um, the opportunity to um, experience mentoring or coaching or uh, stretch projects that might just test you in a supportive environment. Um, that enable you to really see see whether this is something you want to progress with. Um, at the moment, we we kind of um, uh, we put people into positions where they're perhaps just expected to sort of work it out uh, that aren't very supported, and sometimes that can be quite damaging to individuals. I've certainly seen uh, colleagues and peers really uh, struggle and suffer as a consequence of kind of. Uh, uh, unrealistic expectations but also a lack of support and and um, and 
development uh, within that space. So these are these are tough roles sometimes. Um, but leadership is not based on a role. It's based on our behaviors and our attitudes and, and anyone can demonstrate them. Um, and again, it comes back to how, how motivated you are and how ambitious you are. Um, and, and I use ambition not as a dirty word. Some people would often see it as it's, it's fundamental to where you want to go with whatever you want to do. And understanding that is also a, a key part of your self-awareness and your insight. Speaking of insight, is everyone teachable or are there just some people who are unteachable? And equally, <clears throat> excuse me, are there people that are just born to be leaders? And, and is it a little bit about also spotting those natural leaders and nurturing them? Or do you think we can literally take anyone and, and with the right training and development kind of get them to a satisfactory degree of leadership ability? Um, so... Uh, I'm going to give you a politician's answer. Well, it's not really a politician's answer, but you know, so of course everyone is teachable, but some people are more teachable than others. Um, and it depends a bit on what you want to teach them. Um, I think if we come back right to the beginning, which is that uh, obviously um, if you start from the point where you want to know more about how you operate, you're prepared to hear some hard truths, you're curious about the wider system and the world around you but also about how you might operate better in that in those settings then clearly those people are going to be more open to understanding a different way of being and a different way of thinking than others who perhaps come into these positions or opportunities thinking that they know the answer um, now that doesn't make them unteachable or unchangeable but it's, it's a far more challenging starting point than if, if they're not. And um, I think sometimes it's about how you approach those individuals and uh, what techniques you might have. So some of, some of leadership development is a bit about learning different techniques and different uh, tools that you can deploy at different uh, moments uh, and developing your range of uh, skills um, and tying that into emotional intelligence and being able to read people and understand what drives them that's a that's a really key part of being effective in different settings um, and um, so some of that is down to the skill of the teacher and some of that is down to the starting point of the individual I think so if you're listening to this and you would like to find out a little bit more information, is there anything or any place or any book or any kind of resource that you would recommend people maybe access as a starting point? I would certainly urge people to um, try and access local opportunities to understand themselves a bit better. Um, does your organization offer um, development opportunities for this sort of stuff? Most of our boards do. Are you aware of them? How would you find out? Have you spoken to your organizational development leads? Have you spoken to your HR department? Um, so the curiosity and the motivation comes back to, you know, just go and find out, ask some questions. How would I, how would I understand that? NHS Education for Scotland has a whole load of resources um, available and are um, relatively straightforward to access. Um, 
shameless plug coming coming up, which is that we, you know we are um, trying to pull all of this under a single umbrella for Scotland, uh, under uh, a thing called Project Lift. So we are trying to piece this all together in a way that is visible and accessible and transparent. Um, and hopefully we'll have some resources on that on projectlift.scot, shameless plug uh, number two, um, to um, to help people actually just know where to go and actually to provide some some human expertise to be able to have a conversation with, you know, what would I do? I'm a, I don't know, I've been in a GP practice for 10 years. Who who would I go to? How would I, how would I develop at this point? I'm an ST5 and I want to learn a bit more about leadership theory where, where would I go to um, these are my these are my baseline traits and we would provide some self-assessment tools on there and and hopefully build on that and um, there are some that might be very experienced you know I'm, I've been a medical director for five years ten years um, how can I learn a bit more about this because it possibly wasn't part of the era in which I I came to be um, so we want that to be open to all uh, um, all generations and um, really make that as accessible as possible for people. But there are lots of resources out there, um, but it starts with you. It starts with what you want to do and, and how you prioritize your, your activities, your time. Uh, but I, I would argue that there is, uh, that there is no better investment than in your own self um, if you're going to achieve the best of yourself. So we put out a request for some questions from our listeners and we've had a few. If you don't mind, we were going to run through some of those. Um, so the first question actually relates to an area of your work which we've not actually discussed and that's that you're the clinical lead for major trauma in southeast Scotland. So Mike Gillespie asks, will trauma centre bypass negatively affect recruitment and retention in smaller units? Well, the very short answer is, I hope not. Um, And if we're thoughtful about it, um, it may well support recruitment and retention in small units. But that requires us to think differently about how we recruit and retain people. So um, the great advantage of the trauma network is that it is a network it has been set up as a network and uh, we should be thinking about our workforce in network terms so whether you're in the west of scotland or the southeast or the east or the north how can we support the workforce within that network to experience major trauma care if that's what they want to do or contribute to certain elements of the pathway or certain bits of major trauma practice in a way that is collaborative, uh, goes beyond our traditional territorial boundaries and allows flexibility of careers, portfolio kind of activity um, that encourages actually uh, a more sustainable um, solution for some uh, some areas of our workforce. So, um, Many people feel that this is this will be a negative thing, but that's only if you view it through our current arrangements. And uh, there is no reason why uh, we can't match how we recruit and retain folk and how we um, allow people to move across the system. You know, we are one NHS Scotland, 
um, we should be able to um, manage to allow people to experience different bits in different parts uh, of the system without too much bother. And there are lots of good examples of that happening already. Anne Stiles asks, what has been the biggest change for the better in emergency medicine in your career? Uh, well, that's a very good question. So uh, undoubtedly, um, emergency medicine as a specialty has um, has emerged as a major player um, in Scotland in terms of uh, its centrality to um, patient pathways, um, its role at the interface of the acute sector, and um, and it and it has emerged from what was a period of um, great difficulty. So when I first started as a consultant, though, um, we were a real we were especially under real pressure um, with very low morale and uh, real um, difficulty in putting a case forward for what we were all about, what our identity was. Um, uh, our standing amongst other professions um, and a bit our standing amongst um, the public. Now, everyone wanted, everyone wants an A&E department, um, but it still wasn't necessarily felt to be, uh, you know, a very positive place to be. And still isn't, I suppose, in terms of, you know, what people come in with. But, um, but, but I think that has undergone a huge transformation uh, over the last decade. It's down to a number of very committed individuals who have taken it upon themselves to, uh, to tell and live a different story. That's, that's what it's all been about. Um, we now are well-established, um, are um, seen as progressive, pragmatic, uh, influential, um, meaningful, um, and uh, and and have an increasing role to play in in that space. Um, and with that has come investment. With that has come better consultant staffing. With that has come better patient experience. With that has come better performance against the four-hour standard, but also against some quality indicators. With that has come better engagement with other parts of the system. Um, so. Sometimes that feels like not a, not a meaningful outcome, but actually the experience of our patients globally, and I know that there are still many services that are under pressure and still many people that feel uh, like it's a tough gig, and it is in, in, in many instances, but, um, uh, but many of us also remember how, how difficult it was before. So uh, it doesn't change the nature of the work being still uh, challenging, uh, but um, but actually, I think our teams are in a better place than they have been. There is still room for improvement. There is still room for leadership to to uh, to have its impact. Um, but um, but generally, we as a specialty are are are, are really doing our patients proud in a way that would have been hard to envisage 10 years ago. And finally, just the way I like to finish off these conversations is if um, you could go back in a time machine 
and you could meet your junior self starting out, what words of wisdom would you give them? Uh, what have you gained in your experience? And that could be clinical or non-clinical. What one or two bits of, of advice would you pass on to them? <laughs> so, probably two bits, if that's all right. Perfect. The first is from, it's an ancient Egyptian saying, which is, know thyself and you will truly know the gods. So we all think we know what we're all about. And so did I. Um, but if you take the time to really learn and be a bit vulnerable about that, then you'll suddenly, you will not suddenly, but you will, you have the chance of finding uh, actually a lot more about yourself uh, than perhaps you would have liked when you first started, but that's the only way that you'll ever really improve yourself. So take some time to learn, really learn about yourself, open yourself, open that door uh, and, and go through it. And um, the second one, I suppose, is related to that, which is uh, if I could go, <laughs> if I could go back and um, give myself any bit of advice, it would be um, that uh, you, ca you can't do this on your own, buddy, uh, despite what you think you can. So, um, and, and that's, that's really important, especially the, the broader, I suppose, the role that you take. Um, so great power in people um, is, is only held by those that understand that the power is everywhere else. So we are in a system that you have to get people on side. You have to be able to engage. You have to be able to collaborate. Doing it yourself in a sort of bloody-minded, belligerent, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, I know the answer way, gets you so far, but it doesn't get you to the ultimate prize. Um, so I've learned that the hard way, um, but, and I'm still learning it to a certain extent, but... Um, I would have, I may not have listened, but I would have liked to have known that earlier. Fantastic. Well, look, I think that's a perfect way to end. Um, can't thank you enough for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us. Pleasure. So a huge thank you to Dr. Caesar for that very insightful conversation. I think my main take-home points are that there are a number of attributes, obviously, that you can uh, apply to great leaders. But some of the ones that popped up today were being humble, being curious, identifying your own imperfections and having an eagerness to learn and a preparedness to change because it will require some effort on, on the role of the individual um, to become a great leader. I think good leadership practice and culture can have a very powerful effect on patient outcomes, probably more than we once realised. So we should think of it in the same vein as, as what we learn through other standard medical training. And I think we should uh, discuss it with our colleagues and find ways to support practice and change within our own departments. And if you're keen to learn, I think be curious, as Dr. Caesar said, and, and, and go out and find what local resources are, are available. Our local education boards, our local health boards often have development opportunities and resources to support learning and progress through leadership training. Um, and shameless plug number three is Project Lift 
Scott, which is an initiative that Dr. Caesar himself has been heavily involved in, and which is an online um, initiative to support people who are keen to develop their leadership qualities. So many thanks again for listening, and please visit www.stmungos-ed.com where you'll find the show notes for this episode. We'll put some links to some of the resources and you can leave a comment. There's also lots of other additional educational resources uh, for your enjoyment. Many thanks for listening and take care.